Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, here with you, as always, with my good buddy Rich Hill to finally, oh, finally, break down a game that happened. Week one, the preseason is in the books. The Pats are 1-0. They're practicing with the Eagles right now. They're in Philadelphia. Take on the Eagles tomorrow night. I am psyched to talk about this game, Rich. Even though it's only preseason, it is always just such a sigh of relief, buddy. When we get back on these podcast airwaves and we get to talk about something we actually watched happen instead of you and I just kind of sitting here wondering what's going to happen. So let's get to it, man. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, so coming off of this first week of the preseason for the Patriots, New England beat Washington 22-13, to uh, and it was a really good place for New England to showcase a lot of their younger players. Uh, Mac Jones played the bulk of the game at quarterback. Ramondre Stevenson was the top running back with J.J. Taylor as the number two. Uh, Christian Wilkerson uh, was the obvious top target out there. Nine targets. The number two wide receiver out there was Isaiah Zuber with three targets. Uh, so it was a very clear case of New England giving the opportunities for their younger players to stand out. What were your immediate takeaways from that game? Yeah, I mean, overall, I think there's a lot to like. You know, the score doesn't matter. The stats don't really matter. But uh, I'm going to go real deep into my analysis here and talk about the one everyone's talking about, Mac Jones. Uh, I was very impressed with his throwing mechanics, with his patience, with the way he sold the pre, uh, the play action, excuse me, and the way he looked down his reads. I thought he looked very poised in the pocket. I know he's playing against mostly the twos, and he did check the ball down a lot, but it wasn't some kind of uncoordinated, ill-prepared-looking quarterback. Uh, I thought as much as he could showcase his wares in week one of the preseason, he did. And the kind of intangibles, again, just like pocket presence, positioning, tweaking of the, the shoulder, how he, how he released the ball, beautiful deep pass to, to Wilkerson. I know he was, what, 13 and 19. He should have been 15 and 19. Jacoby Myers caught that one, and Wilkerson should have had that one in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Mac Jones looked, looked really, really good in ways that don't that you, you, can, you can translate beyond simple preseason stats. Oh, totally. I mean, so what stood out to me the most was the amount of touch that he had on each of his passes. I remember back to when Ryan Mallett was playing in the preseason, and whenever he slung the ball, it only had one speed, and it was 10,000 miles an hour. Uh, and then with like Jimmy Garoppolo, he had definitely and obviously a better touch uh, with regard than Mallet. Um, but there was still like a lot of zip and it was just straight lines. I think with Mac Jones, what I saw was just a bunch of different types of deliveries to get the ball to the receiver. You know, that high arcing play to Wilkerson that went off of his hands in the 
end zone. Uh, some of the passes into the middle of the field had a little bit more zip. Uh, he was going out to the sidelines. And I, I think just that range of ways that he could deliver the ball to the receiver really impressed me. Uh, you know, and one of the knocks on him coming out of college that I think he didn't have a, a laser of an arm. But I don't think he needs that. And I think he showed that he can be very effective at quarterback without having to throw the ball so hard. Uh, and it's just a matter of the wide receivers making the plays. Uh, you know, if, if Wilkerson caught that ball that bounced off of his hands in the end zone, we'd be talking about how Mac Jones, uh, you know, was 14 of 19 for, you know, 120 and a touchdown. And that would have been just such a, a highlight opening performance. And it was kind of out of his control there. So I, I thought he handled pressure well. Uh, I, I thought that he did a good job with his first time in live speed. And I'm interested to see uh, how uh, how the competition with him and Cam Newton continues. Because, Alec, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, what, when you compare Mac against Cam, what are your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. You know, I still think Cam is the starter. I still want to see Cam as a starter. There's not going to be a lot that can happen over the next couple of weeks. It's going to sway me from that opinion. I've been talking about this for a very long time. I just think that the jump from college to NFL is so significant and so vast. It's really beneficial for a young rookie quarterback to learn for a year or at least most of a season before you throw him in there. If he does something remarkable, then then rock on. I don't think this is New England's year to win the Super Bowl anyway, so I don't see the negative of giving him a, a redshirt year, so to speak, to learn behind Cam Newton. However, it's not like Cam Newton and Mac Jones are the exact same quarterback in terms of their physicality and their ability and the kind of offense they both run. So if Josh McDaniels is looking to install a certain kind of offense in the New England system, and it's going to be Mac Jones' offense, then maybe it makes sense to throw him in there and hope he doesn't kind of get that that rookie Kirby jitters and the confidence boost that doesn't happen if he doesn't do that well and, and all that good stuff. But the fact that Belichick and McDaniels let him run the two-minute offense, uh, call yep. the plays on the line himself, which he did pretty well. Again, a lot of checkdowns, but a checkdown isn't – I never understood the notion of a checkdown as some kind of like bad move by a quarterback. If that's the smart play, you make it, and he made the smart plays. The fact that they've already letting him run the two-minute offense in limited action, granted, I think bodes really well for how quickly he is picking up the system. So to answer your question, I still want to see Newton start, but if Jones ends up getting the nod, I think he's well-positioned. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Part of me also wonders if uh, if there were any coach to install some sort of an offense where uh, you know Mac Jones is the quarterback up to the, the red zone and then you swap in for Cam because he's just a more versatile guy. Uh, it would be the Patriots, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that uh, that would be crazy to see. It would be very surprising to see. But if a team would were to do it, it would be the Patriots in the same way that, you know, uh, they use James White in between the 20s. And then in the past, they've put in Rex Burkhead once they got into the red zone, uh, just because they like that versatility of him being a stronger runner and receiver. And the fact that Cam Newton has that threat with his legs makes it a little bit more dangerous uh, for the opposing defense when they're in such a tight quarters. Uh, you know, if Mac Jones is obviously and continues to be a much better thrower, then it's probably just still more valuable to have a better arm out there than somebody who can add some value on the ground. Uh, and also, it's not like Mac Jones can't run. But I, I, I would be curious to see uh, uh, how much longer Cam Newton is able to hold off Mac Jones, because from that single game, Mac Jones very clearly has more arm talent with regards to accuracy, consistency, ability to deliver the ball down the field. I saw this figure about average depth of throw where, you know, I think it was Mac Jones's average depth of a pass was like seven yards down the field, whereas Cam Newton's was like 0.8 yards down the field, <laughs> uh, which is just shocking, but also not surprising. That, that was the deal with Cam Newton last year. Uh, and I would love to see 
Cam Newton and Mac Jones each play a half of this upcoming game against Philadelphia with the ones. You know, hopefully they can have Nelson Aguilar out there as well as Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers. For, you know, make it a fair competition in the first half. They maybe they alternate quarters just so we can see how they perform with that top unit. You've got goal line backs. Why not goal line QBs? I think that's a great idea. That'd be so funny. Or even like Mac Jones and Cam Newton line up together. Like who's going to get it? Who's going to run it? If Ann's going to do it, it's going to be New England. You agree? I, I agree. Which is a good transition to talk about probably the second most intriguing narrative in this uh, first preseason game before we move on to the Eagles game coming up was the running backs, the backfield. Um, I thought that overall it was a very solid day from everybody who received a carry. The big story, obviously, is Ramondre Stevenson. I think he looked great. The 95-yard FU touchdown run aside, which was awesome. Just I, I, I could, I would not if you had told me. He weighed 230 pounds based on what I saw on Thursday. I wouldn't have believed you. He looked small. He ran small. He made cuts rather than bowling guys over. Uh, he fell forward. Very positive yardage. And the other one I talked about, we should talk about, is J.J. Taylor, who is the, the yin to Stevenson's yang. He's a tiny little guy. He only ran twice, I think. He had two carries for 10 yards. One was a really nice nine-yard scamper, but he showed himself to be a very valuable asset in the passing game. He received five targets. He caught five passes. He was the second uh, most targeted player behind Wilkerson. And that's going to be a very, very interesting day of cuts when it's time to narrow down their running backs to see who they're going to keep and who they're going to not because everybody on this roster right now in terms of running backs is making a very strong case themselves to make the starting 53. Oh, it's so true. I mean, like Damian Harris is locked in as that number one guy. And while Sony Michelle is the very clear number two, I thought he showed up very well. Uh, and, you know, he's been doing well all offseason. I mean, he played well in limited time last year. Uh, Stevenson did a great job. J.J. Taylor did a great job. And James White is also and should be a roster lock. And so while Taylor seems to be primed to take over that, like Danny Woodhead, uh, Deion Lewis type of role as the receiver and running back, uh, and James White is like the pure third down back, there's just so much talent in the backfield. And I, I have a hard time seeing the Patriots keeping five running backs and Brandon Bolden, who's that real core special teamer. And I'm not including Jakob Johnson, who kind of goes in with that tight end room. And so I'm wondering if there's a world where one of these players gets traded, uh, you know, Sony Michelle, most likely, uh, you know, to be to be fair, like I, I could see Michelle getting moved just because there's so much talent in this group, uh, which is a great problem to have. Uh, and it's not like an indictment on Michelle. I think he's still a very talented player. Uh, but I, I think that's just the way that Stevenson ran could say, you know what, we don't need two players of that same mold. Maybe Stevenson's a little bit harder of a runner than Michelle if Michelle has a little bit more quickness. Um, but, I mean, Taylor is a unique player in this backfield. Harris is a unique player. The only place I see that duplication is with Michelle and Stevenson. No, it's true. Maybe the Foxborough flu strikes the running back room pretty hard this year. But, again, you're right, good problem to have, and especially with the Patriots who are, regardless who's under center, Newton or Jones, they're going to be a running team this year. They're going to run the ball a lot. So if you're going to be a running team and you have a lot of good running backs, that bodes really well. Uh, real quick, which we have not talked to the defense at all on this game. Let's do that really quickly before we move on to the Eagles game. We're looking for there. Uh, overall, looked pretty good. Uh, I think the star of the game in very limited action, in my personal opinion, is the – 
acquisition from the Baltimore Ravens. Matthew Judon thought he looked mm, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a hit a, a pass breakup. He had a, a QB pressure leading to incomplete pass. He had a run stuff in the backfield. Brief knee scare. He looked fine. I'm very excited for what he's going to bring to the table this year. Oh, I agree. I mean, I think that this defense was just so much better up front than they were last year. Uh, you know, I, before the game, I made my prediction that Carl Davis would be the player to watch, uh, and he picked up a sack. So I was pretty happy about that. Um, but I, I, the one player that kept drawing my attention was actually Tashawn Bauer. Uh, you know, he had a sack. He had a tackle for loss as well. Uh, I thought that he was very active around the line of scrimmage, and he did a really good job on a very, very crowded edge group uh, to stand out. And, uh, you know, as you said, Judon is obviously a roster lock. So is Kyle Van Noy. Um, but I, I think that whoever is going to take over that next spot, you know, Chase Winovich wasn't available. Uh, Dietrich Wise plays kind of a different role, but Bauer and Ronnie Perkins uh, did a really good job out there. And I, I think that Bauer did enough that it's going to be a very tough decision for the Patriots to make on who is not going to make that roster at that edge spot uh, because, you know, they just seem to have a lot more talent up front than they do on the back end right now. They definitely do. Not a great day for your boy Harvey Lange. I think he's on the outside looking in right now. And just being in that linebacker room anyway, it's going to be a very interesting. Probably linebacker and running back are the two most interesting cuts, which we will get to later on in the preseason when it comes down time to cut down everybody because they're at 85 now and they'll be for a while. Luckily, it's not the only game of the preseason. It is time for the second game of the preseason to take place tomorrow night, 7.30 again. Philadelphia Eagles and the Patriots, they're practicing together. Uh, it looks like the Eagles kind of got the best of the Patriots early on in joint practices, kind of pushing them around a little bit. New England answered back on Tuesday with some of their own dominant performances. Uh, Cam, jo- Cam, Cam Jones. May as well be Cam Jones. It's like a Brangelina, you know. Um, Cam Newton and Mac Jones are still neck and neck. They seem to have up and down days reverse of each other. If Mac Jones is looking good, Cam Newton's looking bad and vice versa. It should be an interesting game for a lot of reasons, Rich. One, we want to see guys build off performances they had last week. The ones that played well continue to play well. The ones that struggle maybe make, redeem themselves a little bit. But also on a more larger scale, with eliminating an entire week of the preseason where week three is usually the dress rehearsal, I'm curious to see if week two, this coming one, is the most important one and they don't bother with week three at all or it's the other way around. I'm not sure what to expect in that respect. Yeah, totally. And I mean, this is a big decision for a lot of players here, you know, like this is their opportunity to get the reps. I I am not sure how the Patriots are going to approach it because there are some players that definitely could benefit from a tune up, you know, thinking of the Dante Hightowers of the world and those that like didn't play last year coming off of injuries uh, and giving them like a full like real time, you know, at least a half of real getting back into action, get the rust off is going to be important. Um, But when it comes down to it do you want to dedicate your preseason time to those on the roster bubble or those that are going to be roster locks and i would say for this game i would imagine they're just going to shift uh how they approach it where this game will get the the starters having the real opportunity uh and that this will be answering a lot of questions on where people actually fall on the depth chart uh and then next week uh will be just pure you know roster bubble decision making and so For me, Alec, I'm going to be watching a lot of this wide receiver room uh, as well as the defensive front seven because I I think most other positions are pretty well established as to where their depth charts lie. Uh, But at wide receiver, you know, behind Aglor, Bourne, and Jacoby Myers, and I would honestly put Olszewski in there too, that last couple of wide receiver spots are just so up in the air. 
Uh, and to be honest, do they just go with four wide receivers so they can keep that fifth running back? Uh, Christian Wilkerson has seemed to slow down a little bit after his hot start to the offseason. Uh, Nikhil Harry did not translate his off se- uh, his practice work into f- on-field production. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of injuries at the tight end room right now. So who knows what will happen there? Uh, and then just on the defensive front seven, there's just a lot of, like, quality rotational guys. And so where they line up uh, and how they take, like, the order on the field will tell me a lot as to where they stand for making the actual roster. Well, I'll tell you what, Rich, you pay attention to the defensive front seven, and I will watch the secondary because that is what I'm excited to see coming off this game. I still haven't seen that J.C. Jackson of of old, these guys that kind of come out of nowhere as the, the, the rookies or the guys that come off with other rosters trying to make the team. There hasn't really been, in my personal opinion, a defensive back that has really made a name for himself beyond the guys we already know. It's a pretty deep room as well. The top of the roster is very well set. Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones. But after that, I know you've got uh, Jalen Mills, but he's really more of like a safety cornerback. The versatility he showed uh, against Washington was really nice, but I don't really know exactly where he's going to fit. Maybe Michael Jackson busted out this time. I I don't know, but I'll be looking for kind of like that third slash fourth slash even fifth cornerback. Maybe Joe John Williams can continue to build momentum. It's going to be some guy that really stands out this time because I really want to see that secondary start to round into shape as a full picture versus the top guys we know about because I feel like secondary injuries happen every year and it'll be good to know who's going to step in should one of the starters, God forbid, go down. Totally, yeah. And then, you know, Miles Bryant is dealing with an injury right now. Uh, And so really, uh, Mike Jackson played the book of the preseason. We'll have plenty of opportunities uh, to just basically go up against Jojo Williams, who had a nice interception off of a deflection in the opening week. Uh, I do think that, like, uh, that's pretty much the competition. Hopefully, Gilmore can return. Hopefully, the Patriots can figure out that and resolve that contract dispute so then uh, they can have their number one cornerback back. Uh, because without Gilmore, this secondary becomes very, uh, you know, average, if not below mm-hmm. average. And so having Gilmore out there makes them go back up to being a top five secondary just due to his the trickle-down effect of having him on the field. So I will be curious to see uh, if J.C. Jackson can, you know, both continue to develop and take the step forward. Um, but yeah, totally agree with you. Whoever stands out at that depth role at quarterback is likely to take that final spot um, just because uh, you don't really need a pure special teamer out there. You have Justin Bethel, who's an all-pro special teamer, uh, and Jonathan Jones is pretty quality himself. And so the, the last cornerback spot can go to a guy who is just showing the most promise at the spot. For sure. And again, I think this is going to be an interesting, interesting matchup. Cause I know that again, like I said, the Eagles offense kind of beat up on the Pats defense in joint practices, not physically. There were no fist fights yet. Unfortunately for me, as much as I enjoy a good training camp scuffle, but the offense definitely got the better of the Patriots defense thus far in joint practices. And even though it's just practice, pride is for sure a thing in the NFL. So I'm sure the guys will be coming out looking to, to redeem themselves when it really, I quote unquote matters. Uh, in terms of a player in particular to watch for, Rich, I mean, on each side of the ball, is there one guy on offense and one guy on defense you think will be a, a real breakout candidate for this game? Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't even know if it's a breakout, but maybe it's like a solidification. I, I think that J.J. Taylor is who I'm going to stick with on the offensive side. I think that Stevenson had a great output against Washington. I think Taylor was very consistent, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots gave him an opportunity just to have a game as the guy to see what he can do. Uh, and I I expect that he will deliver just 
just because I think he has continually proven that he can be very good when given the opportunities. So he's who I'm watching uh, while on offense. And then on defense, I'm, I'm expecting to see continued growth from Josh Uche. Uh, I, I think that he played well in limited time. Uh, and and I, I would like to see him continue to develop uh, just because, you know, second year, can he make that leap? Can he be that like key contributor at that linebacker role so the Patriots don't have to rely entirely on Dante Hightower? And then Juwan Bentley, who, uh, you know, for as you know much effort he provides at that role, he is still kind of a liability in coverage. Yes, and again, it's funny. I'll start with the defense. I'm staying there as well. I'm not looking for a, a player no one's heard of, but, but Chase Winovich is back. And I'm curious to see how he looks, if he's put on some weight. I hear he's put on some muscle in the offseason. Uh, I'm hoping he can return to his motor. This I wouldn't call this like a make-or-break year for him, but I think this is a very important year for him to really solidify himself as a core member of the Patriots' next generation of, of regular players. Those future Patriots Hall of Famers that are just career players, the McCordys of the world that are really good at what they do. I'm hoping he can come out swinging and come out of the box and make some some nice plays and further solidify that edge rusher slash linebacker room we're also excited about. And an offense, I'm psyched for the tight end, Devin Asiasi. I think this is a great opportunity for him. I can't imagine Jonas Smith's going to see any time because he's dealing with a, an ankle injury, I believe. Hunter Henry's still a little banged up. No reason to start those guys yet. So the door is wide open right now for Asiasi to prove why the Patriots drafted him as highly as they did. He did less than nothing last season. The tight ends were an abysmal group last year. And I think with this battered tight end room happening right now and the two bona fide starters down, it is a prime opportunity for Asiasi to show as a runner, as a blocker, as an overall good member of a move tight end crew, uh, he can do what he has to do. I like those picks. I'm very excited to see how they perform. Alec, I think it's time to do our game time predictions. All right. I'm embarrassed to say, Rich, I may have come the closest in getting a prediction right ever in our history of calling games, and it was week one of the preseason. I had the Patriots winning 23-16, to yet I'm winning 34-21. to It was 22-13. to That's as close as I've ever come, and it sucks that it came in this – oh, uh, uh, wait a minute, minute. No, nope, I was wrong. I had the score. It was Washington winning. I had a W next to my name, so I'm going to – I'm a little I'm a little, little less embarrassed about that now, but I completely got it wrong. So I will X out the check next to my name put it next to your name, which means you get the vaunted, esteemed task of first pick in this one, Patriots at Eagles. I'm guessing dress rehearsal game of the preseason. Who you got? Thank you. Thank you. First off, I want to say I appreciate your honesty here. Uh, put yep. respect <laughs> on my name for correctly predicting the Patriots' victory in the all-important first preseason <laughs> game. Uh, I'm going to keep rolling with it. I, I think that the Patriots, you know, they've been getting pushed around a little bit, as you've mentioned, in the shared practices. I think Jalen Rieger of the Eagles, as well as the tight ends, have been putting on a show uh, against this Patriots defense. I think that the Patriots offense is going to stand out, uh, you know, despite being down a couple tight ends. As you said, I wouldn't expect Johnny Smith or Hunter Henry to play, uh, but I, I think that we'll get some opportunities for the wide receivers to show up. And I think that we'll have uh, Mac Jones finally get his first touchdown pass. I think that they'll really continue to, to produce. Um, I'm going to continue with uh, a relatively high scoring affair, but I'm going to go with the Patriots winning this one uh, 29 to 23 29 23 patriots all right these high scoring offenses are just so much fun to watch uh i'll 
I'll, I'll go the opposite way because why the hell not makes it easier when we have to pick for next week. I'll go with the Eagles winning this one. Uh, I think that is a lot, maybe a lot of Eagles players have a little bit more to prove than the Patriots do. They obviously know they got the best in New England in joint practices and they want to keep that going. It might be a situation as well where the starters are, are up early and once the starters sit, something happens, a pick six or a bomb or something like that. But I think the Eagles take this one at home to the tune of 26 to 21 where a maybe missed extra point or missed field goal becomes a deciding factor at some point cool well we'll see what happens uh i hope that the patriots victory streak continues uh you know it's very important that they start the season uh you know without any loses losses ever um also side note ravens haven't lost in the season for like five years they're on like an eight wild game preseason game winning streak uh, i kind of want to see them keep going i think one more win ties the record so wow. go baltimore only kind of other roots for y'all um but <laughs> I, I just think it's hilarious um, Alex, do you have any final thoughts heading into the second week of the preseason? The thing is that, Rachel, not only are you rooting for Baltimore, they're 18-0 in the past 18 preseason games. Let's just leave it that. <laughs> well, all right. Well, until next time, Alex, you have a good one. You do, buddy. See you. All right. Later, man.